on a rusty nail and call it the next coming of Christ. This is Baron Vaughn, and welcome to Deep Shit. Hey, guys. Um, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, something happened sound-wise with this episode. Jackie and I were, were having a great, fun, fun, great time, and then um, the plug fell out of the machine I use to record my podcast to my iPad. It's called the IO Doc by Elisis. And um, then the the microphone that was picking up the rest of our conversation was just the built-in iPad microphone. So you're going to have good sound quality, and then at some point, it's just going to sound like two people in a cavernous room. So I apologize for that in front of everything, but I just want to let you know that there's going to be a point where suddenly it sounds like shit. You'll still be able to hear us. I'm going to try to fix it as much as I possibly can. Uh, and um, boomity, 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 bang, right? So anyway, uh, today's topic is about fear. Um, Jackie gets into tizzies about specific things that she feels that we're always being told to be afraid of, and they kind of affect her, so she's trying to find ways to keep that out of her life, as you will hear in a mo. Mo for a moment. You know, I'll be there in a mo. What is that? I love you, man. You know what? I liked I love you, man. I liked I love you, man. I didn't love I love you, man. I thought Role Models was a superior movie to I Love You, Man. And I get it. I Love You, Man's a stronger premise. Essentially, it's a rom-com, but about a guy trying to become friends with another guy. What it, that's, that You tell someone that, and then they're going to buy that fucking movie, right? And, of course, Paul Rudd is very funny. Jason Segel is very funny in it. But here's the thing. That's kind of what Paul Rudd does. He, did, he did Comfort Zone, Paul Rudd. The movie Role Models, starring Paul Rudd and Sean William Scott, uh, and then also Christopher Mintz-Plast and the genius Bobby J. Thompson. I think it's Bobby J. Thompson, not Bobby J. Johnson, um, who you comedy nerds may, may, may remember. You comedy nerds may remember him. First time I had ever heard of him was from uh, a little sketch uh, that Rob Hubel and Aziz Ansari did called Shutterbugs, the cutthroat agents of child actors. And uh, they had a, a, just a random collection of kid uh, headshots, and Bobby J. Thompson was one of the kid headshots. And it just turns out he's kind of a genius. I don't know how old that kid is, maybe 13, maybe 14 now. Uh, but he ended up being in a Shutterbug sketch, and then he was a lead in this movie, Role Models, which I'm about to talk about, directed by fucking David Wayne of the state. I just think that David Wayne gets really interesting uh, uh, performances out of Paul Rudd because he, he lets him do things that are other than the thing that everybody wants him to do, which he does in Role Models and he does in Wanderlust. Wanderlust, I also think, was kind of an unsung movie and also very interesting and very funny. So, Role Models, go check it out. Um, also... Uh, I one time, you know, in, in, in New York, I got a call to warm up the crowd, to be the warm-up comic for a crowd that was coming to a pilot kind of example taping of a new MTV late-night talk show called Past My Bedtime with Bobby J. Thompson. Now, Bobby J., I guess Nick Cannon was aware, became aware of Bobby J., and decided he was going to produce a talk show for this 12-year-old kid for MTV. And uh, they asked me to be the warm-up for it. But I got paid and did literally nothing. 
because Bobby J. Thompson is so fucking naturally fucking funny. They didn't need a warm-up comic. I'm annoyed, guys. That kid's fucking going places. Son of a bitch. Anyway, um, he was also a sweetheart. That's another thing. His sweetheart and his mom was really cool because his mom was there, of course, because he was fucking 12. Uh, and uh, I remember who the guests were. It was, uh, it was the woman, Laura Bell Bundy. Laura Bell Bundy, who was the lead in uh, Legally Blonde's musical at the time that was on Broadway. Nick Cannon and Ryan Leslie. Ryan Leslie, who is a really interesting singer-songwriter um that is kind of he's kind of got some princish uh stuff about him uh and he but he does like kind of mainstream r&b and i think that people like the dream and the weekend have kind of you know done are similar to ryan leslie except they've got more success ryan leslie is still really good uh if you like that kind of thing and i do like that kind of thing anyway the point is that bobby j thompson was really fucking funny i was annoyed by that which also, by the way, we get into we get into it a little bit in this special about in this special in this in this podcast about um, career some career fears and stuff like that. I don't want to go on too long about it. There was something else I wanted to say, and I can't even remember where the hell it was. I got on this I went on this crazy tangent with how brilliant fucking Bobby J. Thompson was that I totally forgot what the next part of what I was going to say. I'll just say this: I'll say that uh, this is the All Things Comedy Network. Yes. Check out other podcasts on the All Things Comedy Network, like the podcast of today's guest, Jackie Cation. It's called The Dork Forest, which I've been on a couple times. Um, also, check out The Bone Zone. Why the hell not? Brendan Walsh. Brendan Walsh, who um, is a prankster and sometimes bullies me on Twitter as a prank, and his followers think it's real. <laughs> That's always pleasant. Um, also, check out uh, you know, The Harland Highway. Okay, check out the Tom Rhodes radio program. Uh, check out Jake This. Check out Minivan Men. Check out The Champs. Check out uh, Comedy Film Nerds, guys. A lot of great podcasts, all things Comedy Network. Um, I got to fix this PayPal donation button page thing to figure out that thing. Oh, here's what I was going to say. I just remember this. Um Here's a weird thing. Here's a weird challenge I'm going to put to myself. I'm going to try my hardest to be the next black guy. This is the year 2013. Okay? I'm 32. I'm going to try to be the next black guy. What that means is basically there's been one major black comedian every single decade. Okay? Since the 60s. Uh, maybe even the 50s. And uh, just one black person becomes the voice that dominates comedy in a major sense. And it's always been a black guy. But, I mean, it's always one black guy. One H-N-I-C, if you know what the hell that means. And um, Dave Chappelle was the last one, and he gave up his title. It goes, I'd say that the 60s uh, was Bill Cosby. Uh, the 70s, prior. The 80s, Eddie Murphy, the 90s, Chris Rock, and the 2000s, Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle kind of gave up his title. Um, and uh, there's been a void, basically. Chris Rock told Hannibal to his face, I believe, that he's the next black guy. Who knows if that is or isn't going to happen. Obviously, Hannibal's very popular. Uh, he doesn't talk to me anymore. <laughs> 
which is a personal story that I, I, I might have told, and I wish I didn't. Um, but people thought it was going to be Cat Williams. People thought it was going to be Kevin Hart. It might still be Kevin Hart. Cat Williams, um, people don't like working with him. Okay, He's got some violent tendencies. He's got some issues that make him very funny, but make him hard to work with. And then Kevin Hart, um, everyone likes Kevin Hart. I haven't heard a bad thing said about Kevin Hart. Um, anyone who has ever worked with him says he's an incredibly decent, considerate, thoughtful man. Uh, I've heard that he was a little bit of a dick when he started getting popular, but then he had some shit that happened to him that gave him some humility. Uh, if you haven't listened to his WTF and you like Mark Maron's podcast, it's a very fascinating one. I listen to it because Kevin Hart is the most sellingest comedian in the United States right now. The most sellingest comedian. And still not really the biggest mainstream. I mean, he's doing leads and movies and stuff like that. But it might be he might be too pigeonholed to be the next black guy. See, that's the other thing. What defines the next black guy is he's a black guy that white people like. Ha <laughs> ha. Crossover, guys. That's what it's about. Now, I don't know if that'll happen for me, but why the hell not just try to be as great as I possibly can? I am on an upswing, as you might have been able to tell the last couple of podcasts. Um, you guys heard me go through some dark stuff. And it's not incredibly dark, but it was just like I was down. I was broke. I was sitting here afraid to spend money on everything, kind of just closing the world out and sitting here spinning in my head. And then you guys got to hear it every now and then. And now I uh, have decided to combat all that. You know, I'm not totally solvent again yet, but I'm on the way. And maybe that's all I needed, guys. Maybe that's all I needed. Anyway, I don't want to make this introduction too crazy long. So uh, get to Jackie, and I uh, just want to give another plug to uh, Well Done, who uh, does the music to this. So check him out, W-E-L-L-D-U-N, Well Done. Um, and then also, if you're in San Antonio, Texas, well, I'm going to be there next week at the LOL Comedy Club, the aptly titled Laugh Out Loud Comedy Club. I will be there Wednesday through Sunday shows, guys. It's seven shows. I think the Wednesday and the Sunday show are going to be the most interesting. The Wednesday show will be interesting. The first show is always interesting because we're warming up to the – we still don't know what the audience is going to be like. We have our act, but we don't know what is and isn't going to work, and it changes accordingly as the week goes on. Usually the Friday shows, Saturday shows are the, are the most strongest, most solid. Wednesday show is going to be a little raw. If you like to watch a little bit more process, usually a Wednesday or Thursday show, whatever the first show is that the comedian that comes to town is doing is going to be interesting. The Sunday show is after the hump. I just had two. I'll have to have. I'll have had two shows on Saturday, feeling like it's done. It's very rare to do a Sunday show, but I'm gonna do a Sunday show. And uh, ugh, ugh, there I go yawning. The Sunday show is gonna be as boring as church, <laughs> I think. So those will be interesting. Anyway, laugh out loud comedy club, San Antonio. I'll be there next week, Wednesday through Sunday. Let me get the dates for you. I think that's uh, May 29th through June 2nd. Okay, guys? Here's Jackie. Scratch 
interest in that yeah she would not have enjoyed any of the sort of even the fake blood okay she's got a blood thing she has a blood thing but weirdly enough will watch more depressing documentaries she's like this sentence will happen you know i was watching a documentary today as a matter of fact she said i'm watching that documentary about uh, people on skid row and i just was like of course you were she was like, I was watching, and I, this well, the last time she started the sentence with, I was watching a documentary. It was about uh, prostitution in India. Before that, I was watching a documentary about children who were dying somewhere in the world, or, or the Nike factory, or wow. you know, it's like. So it just keeps her. She keeps herself in a kind of a. Uh, well, she's always a trying flat to, line of conscientiousness. I think it's more to remind herself to be grateful for what she has. Mm. Well, if you watch a bloody movie, you're still alive. Right. That person has obviously been she stabbed to death. She, you're not in a cabin in the woods. You're fine. Andy and I invited her one time to go to a movie. Uh, not, I don't. I think it was before I realized uh, oh. what her m- movie tastes were, and it was the movie Hellboy. Oh, she couldn't have not enjoyed that more because it's fr- it's kind of scary. It's a little scary, but it's just more. It's super violent, like yeah. fake violent. Yeah, she hates fake violence. Okay. The results of real violence, mm-hmm. some genocide in the Sudan. Sure, let's sure. let's look at the aftermath let's, of that. Let's watch this thing that's actually happening. Right. I don't want violence in my my fiction. Right. I want violence in my nonfiction. Right. I, there's plenty of nonfiction violence that I can live through. But it's pretty awesome. I don't want to see anyone African in my in my fiction. Don't you don't want to see any Hansu. I don't like. <laughs> no. Okay. There was a there was a I did an episode of the Dork Forest. Mm-hmm. With Joe Starr. You know mm-hmm. Joe Starr? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, young comic working around. Okay. Very funny guy. Does a show at the Nerdist once a month. Oh, yeah, okay. And his dorkdom, uh, Transformers. Not the toy. The, the cartoons. Oh, the cartoons. Yeah. Okay, oh, were you were scared that it was the Michael Bay thing? Yeah, I was got scared right there. No, no, he's not that young. Okay. Uh, he is, because uh, to I like those movies, you'd have to be 11. Yeah, you know, it wasn't when I saw them the last one, I realized that Michael Bay believes he's directing comedies because he puts comedic actors on the lead roles. Like okay. Shia LaBeouf is a character actor. Right. Right. And then all everyone else is like Ken Jong, Andy Daly. Yeah. John Turturro. Just like all these character actors doing over the top. Like, yep. like jokes and stuff, yeah. which is why Pain and Gain, I was like, oh, now he's got a comedy out, which I kind of want to go see, but I haven't seen it. Well, because The Rock is in it, and I will, I've not the seen Rock everything with The Rock, but yeah. everything I've seen with The Rock, I've thoroughly enjoyed. Well, I saw G.I. Joe Retaliation and thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, even though... Bruce oh, Willis say, in it? Spoiler. No, I was going to say something that I know that happens, but I'm not going to say it. Forget it. I haven't seen it. I don't think you can spoiler G.I. Joe well, retaliation. Well, doesn't Tatum, like, he dies like in like the beginning of it, doesn't he? But who cares? It's right, G.I. It's Rocks, Joe. It's the Rock's movie. It's the Rock's movie, and it's it's more Bruce, you know, like, it's so violent. Did you see Be Cool? I didn't. It was a, basically the sequel to Get Shorty. Okay. Which I, you know, I've never seen all of Get Shorty. Oh, really? Boring? Well, well just on the TV, like, I've come in the middle, and oh. I don't get it. But I know that I've seen that scene where he orders off the menu like a half a dozen times. Wait, which one? Who? Uh, Danny DeVito. Was, is Gene Hackman there in the neck brace? Maybe. Is that, is that where we are, at least? Maybe. 
You are very important. What is with the I'm, ongoing? I'm turning it off. That's what I was what is it? Put it away. Okay. Nothing. Just texting. Oh, there's some just texting. alarms. Let's see what's happening in the movies. This is my checking my text uh, song. <laughs> oh yeah, lama ding dong. All right, that's enough of that. It seems a lot. Yeah. Um. So. In other news. In other news. Um. Yeah. I I feel like um. The Rock is really funny mm-hmm. and Be Cool, which is the sequel to Get Shorty. And you should yeah. watch Get Shorty because it's, first of all, I didn't realize, you know what it is? It's that, you know, Brendan Walsh has that joke, Gene Hackman died. Yeah. He's like, no, I'm joking, but you guys didn't know how much you like Gene Hackman. Right. I didn't realize how much I like Gene Hackman until, mm, you know what was on? It was uh, uh, just recently, it was, uh, oh my God, the Sam Raimi movie, The Quick and the Dead. Okay. Right. Have you seen that? Uh. I think Leonardo so. DiCaprio, your favorite. My favorite. Uh, Sharon Stone. No, I have not seen it, and I didn't see it because both of them were in it. One of the first movies that Russell Crowe did in the United States. Right, and 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 Gene Hackman, that was the year that Gene Hackman was doing three movies a year. I think maybe. Yeah. Gene Hackman is, of course, the rich man's Dabney Coleman. <laughs> the rich man's Dabney Coleman, yeah, basically. Uh, I, I feel like we <laughs> talked about this last podcast. We, we talked might about have. Jim Con- Gene, Hack- Gene Hackman and Dad Gene Hackman Cole. probably came up. But it was. Uh, uh, Why wouldn't he? He's great and get shorty. Right. He's always good. He's always good. And no, no matter what he does, he's good in it. He, and well, he makes every movie better. He Him, does make every movie better. Rip Torn, another guy that does that. Rip Torn's fantastic. Yeah. yeah definitely. Uh, and so get shorty, which you should see from the beginning. Um, Travolta, Rene Russo, who I feel like should be working a lot more. Uh, and then Gene Hackman and Danny DeVito mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Dennis Farina mm-hmm. as well. Anyway, Be Cool is the sequel to Get Shorty. Right. Now, Get Shorty, I think, is a really funny, sweet, hilarious movie. Right. That's really interesting. Be Cool, the, uh, about it takes a turn to the worst. <laughs> There's a point where you're like, what is I, there's just so much happening. Right. That is like, this is now insane. This is, this is too much. There's too right. much going on. And who else is in it? Everyone that I named, not Gene Hackman, but then Cedric the Entertainer and Andre 3000 <laughs> and The Rock. And it's just like, what the hell is happening in this movie? But The Rock kind of steals the movie. He's very funny. He's this henchman that wants to be an actor right. that doesn't know he's gay, but is very gay. That's awesome. He's, he's kind of effeminate. Right. And there's certain things that he likes that, but he's like, he's kind of like in this, I'm a man identity. And he, and he plays, he, everything he does is great. He's good. I yeah. haven't seen everything that he does, but he is good. No, no. I'm willing to make that sweeping statement. Not even seeing even half of the things that he's done. He's Jackie in the new Fast and the Furious, Cation, isn't he? Right now. Saying it for America to hear. That's it. I will make Dwayne a sweeping statement. The Rock story. Johnson. Everything you do is good. Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, makes every movie he's in better. Okay. Much like he, he he could be the poor man's Rip Torn. Are you saying that he's the uh, modern day Gene Hackman, <laughs> modern day Rip Torn? Okay. Possibly. The possibly. He's the, he's, the rest, he's the Rip Torn of wrestling. He's the Rip Torn <laughs> of wrestling. That's it. Who else makes movies good when they're in them? Uh, Richard Jenkins. I'll tell you who picks terrible movies. Uh oh. Um, per- terrible scripts, but is essentially acting Nicholas circles Cage. around the scripts. Oh. Is um, Steve Carell. Oh, okay. Interesting. Steve Carell. Did you see Dan in real life? No, I didn't see that. Dane Cook was good in it, and I call it the Carell effect. A proximity to Steve Carell makes everybody try harder, 
and do better. I, I call that the Kevin Klein effect. Oh, that is, I bet you, pe- being around Kevin Klein would do that. What was the movie? Life is a House? Yeah. That was like some movie and he dies in it. But then what's his name was in it? The guy that ended up playing Anakin Skywalker. Steve, oh, God. Hayden Christensen? Yeah, yeah. He was in it. That was the movie that kind of made him. Mm-hmm. And everyone was raving about how good he was. And I saw the movie, and he was good in it. Then I yeah. saw another movie he did that he was awful in. And I'm like, oh, it must have been because he was next to Kevin Klein. Right. That Kevin Klein gives you so much that you're like, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good now. Yeah. Hmm, okay. So you think that is I true think there's about a, there's Steve Carell? A, I think there's a Steve Carell effect. I think that he is a naturally really good actress. Mm. Actress. Actress? Okay. Really? Actress? Uh, I, I agree that Steve Carell is a good actor. I think that the last some last movies that he did – uh, like I didn't crazy, see Crazy Stupid, Stupid Love, Love, and I didn't see um, Searching for a Friend for the End of the World. Although I've heard good things about it, I didn't see that one. Looking either. for a Friend for the End of the World or something like that. Uh, Burt Wonderstone, I saw. Okay. Jim Carrey steals the movie. Okay. It's one eighty. Bruce Almighty, Jim Carrey movie. Steve right. Carell steals that. Right. This Steve Carell movie, Jim Carrey steals this. Boom. And he's got a supporting role in uh, Kickass Two. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. I, have you seen the preview of that? No. Jim I Carrey, tried to read the, the comic. I didn't like it. Oh, okay. Well, Jim Carrey looks hilarious. Oh, good. And, it, and kind of like, and some people didn't even know it was Jim Carrey. They're like, what? That's Jim Carrey? I'm like, yeah. Is he not acting as Jim Carrey? No, no. You'll oh, see. Oh, that's exciting. You'll see. He's James Carrey. He's, oh, this is the James no. Carrey role? I want there <laughs> to be once a... Bitten. I, Again, I want there it's once bitten. It's a sequel to once bitten, finally. <laughs> I want there to be a James... He should definitely change his name. Like, like Robin Williams should be cast sometimes as Rob. Robbie, Robbie, Will, Wills? Just Rob Williams. Oh. And Rob. then Rob yeah. Williams, that's a different guy. That guy plays, uh, maybe, maybe he does different kinds of roles. You know one of my favorite cameos of all time is that someone pointed out to me and now I can't not see it? What? Take a sip of water, I'll tell you. Hook. Right? The movie Hook. The movie Hook. Uh, there's the scene where Robin Williams finally ends up in Neverland, right? Sure. Okay, jogging your memory here. He... Uh, Tinkerbell shows up and basically trains him how to be a pirate. He puts on a guy's hat and cloak, and he's walking with a limp, and he's like, now drool out of your mouth. Now let out a re- R, R. And then the pirates are like, hey, good R, you. Right? Yep. He goes into the ship because he wants to infiltrate. It's the first time we see Hook as well. Dustin right. Hoffman is Captain Hook. Uh, he goes into the ship. Hook does his whole speech about how he went to the other world and kidnapped Peter Can, Peter Can's kids. Peter Can. Peter Can, actress. Peter Pan's kids. <laughs> yes. Then... There's this moment where Dustin Hoffman, as Captain Hook, goes, uh, who did the blah? And everyone's cheering. He's like, but one of you did not believe me. One of you is not one of us. And he kind of, everyone's like, oh, what, what? And, of course, Rob solves his tension. He's like, does he know I'm in disguise? And then Dustin Hoffman goes, you. And he walks over to Robin Williams. But there's another pirate there. Yep. And he said that you bet against me to that pirate, the one standing next to Robin right. Williams. And the pirate goes, no. He's like, yes, you did. Pirate cries. Right. <laughs> I, I did. I did. Takes that pirate, puts him in the boom box, right? The boom box. Mm-hmm. Puts him in the boom box. Right. That pirate, Glenn Close. <laughs> Longest setup for a story ever. I apologize. Why haven't I had? There should be just a segment. Baron Vaughn, frame by frame, 
tells you movies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, and then, okay, so okay, so then you know. Um, so um, there's a there's a steady cam coming at you over and over a hill, basically. And the horse is galloping. I do. I'm like, okay, it starts off on a shot. It's mm. swooping up a hill. Green, green. It must be Iceland. Um, <laughs> <laughs> green, green as the grass is. Um, so anyway, what the heck are we talking about today? You gotta check your glasses. You need something. Oh. You want me to take a break so you can? Uh... No, I'm good. I'm just. Uh, here's what. Here, here's what. Where I'm at. Yeah. What? Because uh, I got Tracy Ashley staying with me. You got Tracy Ashley, very funny comic. Very funny comic. Uh, from Minneapolis originally, Minneapolis mm-hmm. comic. Now living in Indiana, Indiana. But, but it has to do with Aaron Foley. You thought I knew Tracy, but I don't. I did. I thought it was Aaron Jackson. Oh, Aaron Jackson, very. And then person. I thought it was. And then I thought it would, might have been Foley O'Hannigan. No, I didn't. Anyway, but um, yeah, I uh. There's just and then yesterday we had we had a gathering, a of, gathering. of like-minded individuals at Casa Location, at Casa Location Ashcraft, and um, I and then I spent the day editing all day long, bike dork. That's what I did. It was Ooh. a lot of bike dork, and and it's a friend of my brother's from high school, and he does not have an internet presence. Oh. This guy, he okay. doesn't have. He owns his own business where he uh where he is the in between guy uh with bicycle companies and stores. But he has no internet presence. Hmm. And I was like, and there's not a picture of him on the internet. Interesting. I have never, he's not a selfie, obviously. He's not that generation. Not a guy who takes selfies. Right. The selfie generation, as I've dubbed. Right, and and you told me all about it yesterday. You you explained it what it was. You explained what it was. Yeah, that the young people take pictures of themselves in front of everything. The thing is not important if they're not in front of it. Great Wall of China, no. Me, in front of the Great Wall of China. (laughs) The Great Wobble China is always behind me. Right. I'm better. I I, I could have created this. Exactly. Yeah, so uh so what were we, what deep shit were we gonna talk about? Well, you wanted to uh you were different choices. About, yeah. There was something that you said and I scratched it and said, Is it fear? Right. Because we were gonna do fear. But what was the other thing that you said? You said you were talking about keeping certain things down. Oh, like stuffing stuff. Stuffing. Like, yeah, it was like it was like a it was a different it was an idea of Trying to control irrational fear is what it is. Is it's have you have you had people talk about fear before? I bet. I, I don't remember, but it doesn't matter because you're not whoever talked about it before. Right. Well, how did they deal with it? We well, don't care. It I don't doesn't matter. That, yeah, I don't think that I had somebody do that. So right. let's, let's do it. The only thing to fear is your mom. And fear itself. Oh yeah, okay. And fear uh itself, I guess. right. And Ro- the Roosevelt family who will find you and kill you. They will do it. He will roll over you with his wheelchair. Wheelchair. He will just slap you with his polio legs. That's awful. <laughs> so, it is a lot. That's awful. But, so um, fear. Right. We live, you know, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Defending Your Life. Yeah, Albert Brooks from Meryl Streep. Little Brains, man. That's what we call fight. you. Isn't Rip Torn in that, too? Yeah, Rip Torn's in Little Brains. Yeah. And so uh, we're all just little brains. We're dealing with fear. That's what life on, on the earth is, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so... I just, you know, you spend a lot of time worrying about what the next thing is and what you don't have and what other people have and then and then what you'll never have and then I mean there's just so many there's so many things to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. And so I spend a good portion of my time not being afraid, like purposefully quelling the fear. Yes, yes, because you know, on television it's all about fear. That's all they want you to do. You, you you don't trust strangers. Don't trust men. Don't trust strange men. Don't trust men who happen to be strangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of anti... 
A lot of anti-men. A lot, lot, lot of uh, all men. Black men are going to kill you in the street. Right. White and, men are going to stalk you and right. then kill you methodically over a system of time. Older white men are going to do something to your baby. and They're, they're going to give you a baby because they kidnapped you when you were 12. No, they're going to poke your baby with oh. their penises. I mean, there's oh, a lot of... God, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of weird... You know, all white guys, don't let them hug your baby because they're going to sexually torture them in some way, shape, or form. And it's so, I mean, and so there's, I mean, that that's a real basic one. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and the news is just full of, you know, one horrible thing after another. Well, it, it, those two, those things connect, I think. What? Um, well, I feel like the opposite of fear. Yeah. Or way to combat fear. Right. Is to create a community. Of people that you trust. Right. So like surround yourself. Surround yourself with people that you like. That you people that enjoy. You trust and, that will look out yeah. for you. Okay. You know what I mean? But we have, what we've done is we have really, um, we have uh, really closed ourselves off from each other. Which is so interesting because there's 7 billion people on the planet now. Exactly. You know, I mean, I, I don't know my neighbor. You know, I just right. wave to her in the parking lot while we were walking in here but i okay i swear she hates me because i'm like does she hear everything that's happening in my apartment she (laughs) once told me that i was not noisy to my face but then once i was walking in front of her and she was on the phone with her friend and it sounded like she was talking about me in a way that she wanted me to hear about it okay it's kind of like i don't know about these neighbors henrietta (laughs) they're always loud they don't know that some of us have to work and i'm like is she talking to me is it is it me? Is it me? Yeah, I mean, they're so. It's so. Okay, so I'm supposed to believe mm-hmm. that 98 percent of the men, the men on this planet, are evil, mm-hmm. yep. according to you know, Court TV, right? Law and Order, SVU, okay. all right. Uh, Nancy Grace, a, a variety, Fox News, a variety of different places on on the television that are telling me this. Yeah, and I think it's exactly this opposite, right? That it's two percent, two percent of the people. Two percent of the men, two percent of the women, are broken, <laughs> and so right. live a little defensively. And so I'm working on the the longest bit in the world. <laughs> okay. I'm working on the longest joke in the world with this as a premise, because I can't. It's a gigantic idea. That's well. That's why it's that's why it's so long. Yeah. I'm in like my third six minute chunk that I'm working on. Uh, you'll 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 figure out a way to, to narrow that down. Yeah. Well, Maybe be- it's a solo show we should talk about doing. Jackie. Oh, the there <laughs> there the first the the first chunk. Started out as a 10-minute chunk. I got it down to six. Okay. The second started out as probably a nine-minute chunk. I got it down to six. Okay. This third one, I think, is only about six, so I think I could shave it down to three. I'd be pretty psyched. So what are you doing? Are you talking about these ideas and then providing stories from your own Yeah, life? providing stories from my life and examples of, of what, of how to, you know, what to really believe, you know. Because you're right, you have to create community, and you have to, and the only way to create a community is to allow yourself to meet people. Exactly. It's very hard. It is, and and also, there's a part of me that feels like, uh, I wrote on the day of the Boston bombings. Right. I wrote this stupid tweet that was uh, mushy and hippie-ish in okay. a sort of a way. That well, just, you know what's better then? What's that? Some sort of horrible joke. Too soon fun, you know. Yeah, funny. because they're just like, you know what? Like, I, I don't know who I was talking to about this. Maybe it was Hassan Minaj or somebody about, like, can't we just, when shit like this happens, can't we just not tweet? Yeah, like, just, just hold like, off well, for a minute. I don't need to make a fucking joke about something that's happening, you right. know, or at least just if, if I'm going to post something, you know, 
it's probably like, hey, here's a number. If you are on Twitter and wondering if you can call someone <laughs> that you love, here's a number. They're, they're, they're locating people. Right. Right. Or donate or blah, you know. And it's like if people need Twitter to tell them to donate. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're assholes. But at least I did one thing. Right. I'll and donate then- myself and then I'll tell people to donate. Right. Yes. So anyway, uh, I said, whatever, whatever, whoever these guys are that set off these bombs needed a hug. Right. right now, I totally believe in hugs. Right, you're pro hug, but not even just physical hugs, psychological hugs. Okay, a hug is a concept. It doesn't mean that you're always touching someone. Okay, but it is a way to let someone know mm-hmm. that they're important to you. Okay, it's a way to let someone know that you include them in in your life. Okay, you know that you've yeah. chosen to invest in them in some sort of way. Right, right. You know, as a friendship, as a romance or whatever. Yeah. That's what a hug is. It's a conceptual thing. Okay. So sometimes, you know, people don't you don't people don't like physical contact. Not everybody is touchy feely. Right. But you can still there's still ways to be like, hey, you're I take you on as yeah. As a person to yeah. my heart. Right. Right. So it makes me go, I, I wonder if these guys it, you know, it's like it, the the mindset that makes you go, I'm gonna blow a bunch of people up mm-hmm. is either uh, a sense of you didn't feel I wonder I theorize right they didn't feel they belonged to something right so this other thing came along right to sweep them up this ideology right whatever it was and it could be anything or an absence of ideology a right? theater teacher of mine once said that the the most camaraderie you see in America are the American street gangs he's like oh, right. these are these are people that were abandoned and then this is now their family right and the way that that unit works and the 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 faith and trust that they give each other, yeah, he's like it's some of the truest shit that there is, right? It sucks and, that and they it, end up shooting mothers, right, 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 know? and and it's and it's but it 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 is their community and it is it it replaces family and it replaces and that and that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. I think that like all these people that we're afraid of, yes, if perhaps they were part of something, right, outside of their own brains at some point. Right. Maybe they wouldn't have they would have created skills to be able to deal with people right. and not need to fuck me. <laughs> right. They don't need to It's a gigantic generalization, but it's a, right. It, it's a sweeping generalization, but but that's what we're facing. We're facing sweeping generalizations. So mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. create a sweeping generalization from the other side. Okay. From from an, an idea of hope, from an idea of of wanting to be inclusive, you right, know? Right. And not wanting to live, you know, granted, two in the morning. If I see and I'm walking alone back to my hotel from a club, mm-hmm. even if it's in Acme uh, in Minneapolis and it's two and a half blocks, if right. that, uh, there's usually some drunk banana head uh, going back to his condo. Right, right. I will cross the street. I do not want to meet that gentleman. I cross the street no matter who's coming at me. Yeah? I, I do. <laughs> do you? I walk and, in the middle and... of the street to be able to have enough room. To run. To run or figure out what the situation is before someone's coming at me. Right. That's what I'll do. Right. So, and then do you yell, Shane? Now you ever do that when no. somebody walks past you? Okay. Definitely it's a, not. The movie Shane. Oh, okay, oh, so. Is it from know. the movie Shane? Yeah, yeah, because there's the little boy when Shane leaves. He's like, Shane! Oh, I've never seen Shane. <laughs> Don't go. Oh, it's a, you know, if I were is you, I would I would know all of, what? Is Eastwood in that? No, no, it's older. Oh, it's older even, than that. Yeah. Even older. Okay. I feel like it's John Ford, but I don't know that. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. It's an old western, right? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, what yeah. I thought. And but it's it's that's like a classic old western. It's incredibly influential. Right. Okay. Right. It's right. it's one of the greats. Okay. It's a great old western. 
and it's it's I don't know if uh, spoiler alert lone guy comes into town and saves everyone. Wait a minute, I not a lone a loner. Yep. And does nobody want him at first? Well, you know they don't trust him initially because he's he came from somewhere else. Right, right. He's some he sort of on a horse. Yeah. Is he wearing a black hat or a white hat? You know, I don't remember. I don't remember probably, his hat. Probably a <laughs> probably a black white hat. Could have like been a, a black a zebra, and white hat, like a striped <laughs> could zoot, have been, suit hat. Right. It could have been a black hat with a white hat band. Ooh. I know it. Now we got to look it and up. A butterfly pin. Definitely got to look what? it up. Shut up. And so, um, <laughs> yes. So I just I spend. You know, an inordinate amount of my time not watching the news. Mm. You know, I will read my homepage for my internet mm-hmm. is BBC World News. Oh, oh, and so all I do is I get headlines, right? Right, right. And then I'm like, oh, shit's going down. And then I'll look into it, <laughs> right? Right, right. But I certainly don't want some talking haircut on stage <laughs> on the television to tell me, you know, to to set it up. Yeah, well, you know those those these feelings are. I mean, what, uh, Michael Ward does a thing in it in Fahrenheit nine eleven, doesn't he? About just like the constant fear, fear, fear. Um, That's how they get you. I don't know if it was that one or if it was the uh, if it was the nine or the Bowling for Columbine documentary. I think it was right. Just this constant fear, like you know. Uh, right, but but way I talk about it, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michael Moore, he's just got a hammer and you are a nail. The best, the funniest <laughs> stuff that happens in Michael Moore is when he shows up to the building where the CEO is and they won't even let him upstairs. That's just hilarity. Oh, just comedy. Bullshit. Will it happen again? Will Tricking it happen? Bob Newhart wishes he came up with that. <laughs> wishes. Michael Moore's on the phone doing that bit. <laughs> hey, Michael Moore, what's going on? You're, you're at a building. Okay. And you uh, can't get up in it? You can't get. What's the building? A pie shop. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, I want. I want. <laughs> I want Bob, Bob Newhart. Newhart talking about on the phone with Michael Moore. Um, so, um, yeah. So I think that it's a it's an interesting idea that we're we're constantly being told everyone's out to get us, right? And that's why we we had to lock our doors and stay the fuck inside, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But you yesterday, yep, opened up your home, sure, to a group of people. Right. You do not understand how badly I didn't want to go. You don't understand how badly I didn't want to have it. Oh. Because oh, I wanted to do it. Yeah. And then I don't know if this happens to everybody, but the day of the party, I'm like, why have I invited people to my home? <laughs> it yeah. doesn't have anything to do with fear. Yeah. It entirely has something to do with the fact that this is going to be a lot of work. And a f- there is actually a fear. There's a fear that well, no one's going to come anyway. It's going to be a Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, nobody's ever going to come. And then, uh, and then, but it ha- that fades just because I know there are several people. Jim Wooster will always come. Well, you know, um, and he will bring salmon. Uh, oh, did he some, bring salmon? He brought the salmon. Oh, I didn't have any of the salmon. Oh, you came late. I did come late, and that's a big reason that I almost didn't come because that was You're like, like, oh, it's too late. It's it's that's a, that's exactly it. Like it was like <laughs> five o'clock, and I'm like, okay, I can leave now. And then. Uh, and then I was waiting for my friend Jackie. Right. And then it took a while. And then she was like, oh, my shirt's really wrinkled. Can we steam it at your place? <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then it was like 6.30 something. And then I felt like I was overdressed. And I'm like, I feel like I right. looked silly. But now I'm like. You didn't. You looked very handsome. Well, thank you. But then I also felt like I was overdressed. Like I felt like right. now I feel like I'm trying to stand out. Like I'm right. trying to be like, hey, guys. Look I don't know if sweater. you know about this, but yeah. this is this is what I bring. This is what I do. This is what I brought the barbecue. Right. Uh, and then there was a point where I hit a. I was describing 
to my friend Jackie last night when I went out for New Year's Eve. Maybe it was two years ago. Yeah. I went to the UCB party with Eliza Skinner. Okay. And a friend of hers. Mm -hmm. And I did not want to go. I haven't gone to a New Year's Eve party. I can't even remember since high school. Right. I don't understand why, what, what people do with them. Well, I... You wait for I midnight. I went to a couple parties that. in New York, and, but like they're always like small parties, and they were informal. And I didn't get that people dress up for New right. Year's. Like when they picked me up, they were like in nice dresses, and I had been sitting here finally catching up on the second season of Walking Dead. Yes, Did you watch Walking Dead? No, I I I, re- I tried to read that too. Didn't like it. Uh, okay, well there's a there's a thing. <laughs> I don't that have happens. HBO. It was in the middle. Oh, it's on AMC. I don't have. I don't. I, okay, I don't have any you just excuse. Don't watch it. I, yeah. <laughs> That, and that's fine. You're okay. allowed to do that. Um, yeah, people aren't. You, if you don't want to watch a show, you don't have to, guys. It doesn't right. matter if it's Walking Dead or Bad Ben. <laughs> if you don't like it, you don't fucking like it. Right. You're wrong. Right. But then you don't have to just go through life being wrong. Look, there's so much I've been wrong about. Banana splits, don't like them. Wait, ice, the food? Ice cream on pie, don't get it. Does It, it isn't needed. I don't think it's needed. Now, with, all right, we're going to digress. Okay. Uh, away from New Year's Eve. Yeah. Unless you want to finish it quickly. Well, the point of the story was is that I watched Walking Dead and there was a twist. It was like the mid-season break and there was a twist that made me upset. I watched a marathon of this. I was like, I don't want to fucking go anywhere. I just found out this secret. I'm upset about it. Hey, we're outside. <laughs> I, I'm not going. What are you talking about? We're outside. No, no. And I was a I was I dabbled in wet blanketry that night, man. I felt so bad for Eliza's friend because I'm sure Eliza was like, "Oh, Baron's really funny. He's a good friend of mine." And then I was just right. a piece of shit the entire night. It once I got out, though. All right. Once I was out, right with the people. I was making all these plans when I was on your way to my way to your place about like, okay, I'm gonna leave at this time. But then I was having fun talking to people, right? And I'm like, oh, it's I didn't even look at the time. I never looked at my 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 time, right? Because you did text me a couple of times to say. Is it too late to yeah. come? And I didn't get those texts. Yeah, I because I was I was wearing a sundress, Jackie Cation sundress. You thought you were overdressed, which I've never seen before. Exactly. I was like, whoa! What's you happening? thought you were overdressed, so I'm wearing a sundress. There's nowhere, and it's not like I'm carrying a handbag in my own home. So to carry a cell phone when you're wearing a sundress, you got to do the old lady in the bra thing, mm-hmm. which I am categorically against. The bralette. Yeah, I'm not doing. I'm not putting my cell phone in my bosom. Well, but then also, you know, it's going to be so warm, and I don't know. I don't know how boobs work. You're just well, cancer straight into your boob. Right. That's like it. That's idea. it. Well, and it's um. So yeah, but everybody. I mean, everybody can't. And it was good. We started. It was. It was. And you know, Andy invited like a bunch of his friends yeah. from the day back in college. He's in the science fiction club from from college, oh, and wow. he still hangs out with. He has like forty friends. From, Is he from, from Los college. Angeles? Yeah. Well, no, he's oh. from uh, Central California. He's from the. But he's a California boy. He's a California guy. Okay. And so then, a lot of his friends have moved down to L.A. And... But he's been here since he went to college in oh, the in okay. the late '80s, and he has never moved away again. Briefly, he lived in um, San Rafael up in the Bay Area. Still California. Still California. Whatever. But um, they, th- there's like 40 people who still live, and and so he. He's still really good. He has forty people to have play dates with because he's a game designer, right? Right, right. So he's constantly like today. He went to his friend's house to. He's designing a board game. He's working on a board game for himself because that's all he thinks about are games. Okay. And so he did went to play test it, and he said it went really well, and it was fun. So, but so he invited like 
15 or 20 people. And then I invited, I was like, I don't know, what, what, what 20 comics do I know? Or people. And so I invited like 20 people. And then I didn't know, I was like, are 40 people going to come to my house? And luckily, he had a late start. This is the best story ever. I'm going to write a screenplay. No, go ahead. So it's, um, but as he was like, we're going to do a 4 p.m. start, which I usually am like, people come over at like 2, then I want them to leave at like 10. But a, but a 4 p.m. start, leave by midnight, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you did You did specify midnight. I'm like, midnight? Right, what That's do you, crazy. That's what I was thinking. Too early? It's a full-time job. 4 oh, to 12, I know. 8 hours. It, it seemed a long time, right? Mm-hmm. And people were gone by 11. I was like, thank God, get out. Yeah. And um, But it was, it just, it felt like as the day went on, I was it, as it got closer and closer to 4 p.m. and I'm cleaning things and I'm prepping food and I'm like, these people are fucking coming to my house and I'm, I'm just getting angrier and then people start showing up and then it's lovely, you know, yeah, yeah. because I didn't invite anybody. A, I didn't want to see, you know, uh, that, that, or anyone who I, who I thought would be weird or who would be, who would get too drunk or not drunk enough. You know, one of these things, you know, you just have to, you have to get the exact right kind of who's going to eat food or not eat food. And I figured I trusted your pickiness. That's what I was like. You know, Jackie's not going to invite fucking Tom, like shitty McGillicuddy. Yeah. Who's just going to stupid McDrunk ass. Like, right. It's not like going to be good, weird. Good, and then you said that Andy has some friends that are coming like, oh, well, then there'll be interesting people. There'll too. be a bunch of weird nerds who work at like JPL. Weird and... nerds with weird nerd stories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. There's. Yeah, it's like Kevin uh, Flanagan is the IT guy for the E network, Ooh. or what? One of the E networks, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But they're all like, they're all like, like. And he is the one of his friends works on like that Spitzer telescope. Oh Jesus! Yeah, so they're all like nerdy magoos, man. They are on nerdy board. Magoos. That's right. That's Better good. than being you bossy. You wanted to magoos. digress on the uh, ch- the ice cream and the cake pie thing. Oh yeah, I did want to ask. Uh oh, what are you doing? What's going on? Microphone's Sorry, I wanted okay? to ask. Yeah, go ahead, do it. What? Where do you stand on the heating up of the pie? Well, look, I guess the thing is, pie is only meant to be eaten hot when it is that fresh. Okay. Like if it just came out the oven, that's fine. That you is can hot. eat it hot, right? But most people like let their pie sit in the window, right, and warm. And then the neighbor kid comes by and neighbor steals kid, it on his it's, bike. That's the beginning of every Dennis the Menace. <laughs> So, so you're saying that once it gets cool, leave it cool, because that's what I say. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a heat of pie person. I'm not a heat of pie person, and if you're going to heat it, heat an oven. Actually, use an oven, not microwaves. Oh, do not microwave my pie. I I am becoming don't microwave my coffee. More of more of the mind that anything that comes out of a microwave cannot possibly be good for you. No, microwaves are made out of cancer molecules that speed up super fast. They're called cancer waves. And uh, my friend was telling me about the study. I got to look it up about um, that they just microwaved water. Yeah. And uh, you know, you're boiling water, but then they're just like, "Oh, let's put this modern microwave," and they wanted to test see what happens to the molecules. So just water microwaved in a clean microwave. Right. The molecules look ridiculous. Oh like, really? She's like she. The word she. They're used completely. Was, and I don't necessarily agree with this word. She's like, the molecules look retarded. All right. They just look wrong. What about the, fococted? The fococta. They look, yeah, they're all fococted. It's a little Yiddish. In the connected You look at the punum of a molecule, <laughs> and you say to yourself, that is one fococted molecule. That, that's a molecule only a mother would love. 
Uh, oh, I like that. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't own a microwave myself, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't own a dishwasher. Last night, Bamford helping me out afterwards, um, cleaning uh, the kitchen. She goes, do you have a dishwasher? And I was like, no. And she goes, are you the dishwasher? <laughs> and I said, in this situation, probably, unless you would like to do Honestly, them. I prefer, I do have a dishwasher here, but I, I do prefer to... Just to wash, wash a dish. Plus, we have a house the size of you know Mishu, the world's smallest man. We we have a it's it's a it's a tract house from 1951. It's a nice house. It's a perfectly you guys nice have done house. Really nice things with it. We haven't done anything. We painted that one wall red, well, and uh, figured out how to make a space work for you. Right. It's all yeah. It's just yeah. It it's a there's only the two of us, mm-hmm. and so we gotta. It's just real cozy. That's all. That's all it is. It is just cozy. To, and then we get the garden in the back because we're at war. You got to grow some veg. About, uh, the war, the garden in the back is pretty incredible. I have a thing about uh, people on the street can access where I live. Like a okay. rock, like someone could climb through a window and then they're in my home. Right. That's, I, I, I feel like a door is not a big enough barrier. <laughs> really? Just one door. You know what I mean? And uh, this is my fear thing. Yeah, See, yeah. It's growing up in a neighborhood with gang violence and right. murder and robberies and just right. you people know, just checking like, doors and like the early 90s was all about be- motherfuckers are going to shoot you right they're young and they're black and they're angry and i'm like what that's everyone i know <laughs> that's everyone i know i'm young and i'm black and i'm angry <laughs> right what the f- am i gonna shoot someone like that's what I- were you so- ever that angry well luckily my anger turns inside you know, to, against yourself well, or see, just to process? A, I'm working on a bit about black depression. Okay. About that. It, I have realized that depression is not a thing that black people are taught about. Right. Like it's not like therapy and stuff like that. Talking about your feelings, whatnot, wasn't something I grew up with. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. It wasn't until I started to know a lot of well-to-do white people that they're constantly like, oh, I've been going to therapy since I was five. And I was like, I didn't even know that there was therapy when I was five. Yeah. I didn't know that there was a per- – we had the high school counselor who right, and was, that was obviously not... a cat person. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't Hang necessarily want to talk to this person. Right. But I did actually have a um, high school counselor that was like – yeah, with the school counselor. High school counselors were actually – my high school counselors were actually pretty cool. But like the middle school counselors and stuff like that, I'm like, I, that's the person I'm supposed to talk to about shit? So it's like – it's not until recently that I figured out that I even get depressed. Right. And okay. then through that, I was like, well, why haven't I ever thought about this? And it's because, and I see it as black people aren't taught about depression. That's it. It's a thing that we're not given language about. So it all turns into anger. Okay. Said, we're not taught about depression. We're taught about oppression. Completely different pression. It's a different pression. It's a different pression. And what is your impression? Of depression and, and my impression <laughs> is I got to stop saying impression. Um, well, here, the crazy thing is, is when I was a kid, my father used to he was a button pusher, right? So he mm-hmm. would say uh, weird things, right? And they right. were always a grain of truth, right? And one of the things he said is he said dictatorships keep people busy, right? Right? Yeah. And um, what he meant by that, because he would expound about how there's no time, there's no time for revolution, because you're hungry. There's no time. Uh, to fight the government because you're trying to stay alive. You're yeah. trying to keep what small amount of happiness you have going and it takes all of your energy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you might hate everything around you and hate the man and all this stuff, but you don't have time to be depressed. 
And that is a, a big portion, I think, of the black community in, Absolutely. in this country because they're trying to just be as happy as they can in the moment with the, the three people that they well, you're, you're, love. You're constantly fighting just to get that little piece of solace in that moment. Yeah. So it's like, and that's the way that I grew up. Like, it was me, my mom, and my grandmother. It was mm-hmm. me, my mom, and then my grandmother moved in with us. But they were just working all the damn time. You know, right. I was a classic latchkey kid. Right, right. So it was like they were working so many hours to just maintain the little that we had. Yeah. And luckily, because we had a two-parent household. I mean, it was my mom and my grandmother. Yep. But my grandmother chipped in. Obviously, she bought us cable. My grandmother is responsible for my addiction to television <laughs> because she was just like, I like television. I'm going to get you guys cable. Yep. I'm going to put a television in every single room as well. Oh. And I'm going to put a VCR in every single room as well. Okay. Which you're allowed to use after I've taped the things I want to watch. Bold and the Beautiful? Well. All sorts of her stories. Yeah, those are her stories, right? And then she wrestling, also, all-star wrestling. No, not wrestling. <laughs> she liked Renegade with Lorenzo Lamas. Oh, that was a hell of a bike. She liked Silk Stockings. Sure. She liked Kung Fu The Legend Continues. Uh, Kung Fu The Legend Continues uh, was unstoppable. It was unstoppable. Yeah. She liked, uh, there was a this guy, Samo Hung, mm-hmm. at a show called, mm, I can't remember. He did a movie <laughs> called Fat Dragon. He was basically like, a, a plus size Jackie Chan, okay, and a big star in China, right? So they put him on a on an American show where he was like a Chinese policeman that was in the United States, okay. And ever because he's fat, nobody could nobody thought that he could do backflips, but he can because he is he's amazing. Fat Dragon, <laughs> literally, he has a movie called Fat Dragon. Well, I have to see the movie Fat Dragon. Yeah, Netflix streaming. Be be there for. I him. hope it's on that. He's he's awesome, actually, but. She so I, I but oh, after those baseball, you were allowed baseball baseball every Dodgers game a, a thousand baseball games every and my grandmother used to sit because she would work all day she was a custodian for okay. the Clark County School District mm-hmm. she worked at three p.m. because she wanted to be there when the fucking kids were there sure she didn't want to be the person that was around when the kids were around right there was a classroom I know she refused to clean because they had a pet snake. In the classroom, uh-huh. in, the car- in the aquarium, she did not want to go in there because no one was in there when she was at the school. Once the snake got out of the aquarium, I, I, it's dark. I turn on the lights. There's a damn snake in my face. I'm not going in the goddamn room, <laughs> right? So uh, she worked from 3 to 11. Right. My mom worked from 8 to 7 to 3. 7 to 3. And so basically there was this in-between time where I was at right, home. Right, there was like two hours or an hour and a half. Of- exactly, because my, especially because my mom lived – I mean, we lived about – hour uh about from an her hour work? away from work yeah yeah actually she got off at four okay she was eight to four okay so my grandmother would leave she had to be at work at three so she would leave at 2 30 right and i would get home alone yep and i'd be home alone usually until five because it was an hour commute to, from back work. yeah and um so i had like an hour to myself a day and uh, actually you know what i had this joke about why i don't uh why i always lock the door yeah, I remember this. I habitually you, lock it. You told me this the last time we did deep shit. Did we? Okay. Well, yeah. then you know that story. Yeah. Just being like someone tried the damn door. I was like, what? What's no. That? <laughs> yeah. Like what? Like the Walking Dead pilot we've yep. never seen. So, I, I was constantly living in this fear of everyone around me, and I'm at home alone. That was a big thing, yeah. which is kind of like I didn't wander around the streets because that's where all everyone was getting stabbed and robbed. Right. That's where all the bad kids were. See, and my thing and, was. People are like, if you get robbed and you don't have anything, they just leave you alone. I'm like, no. They're no. going to be angry that you don't have anything and They're stab gonna... you in the neck. Or, or kick you to death. Or kick you to death. 
or yeah. keep following you around until you have something. Right. They can find out where I live. They can come right. rob me here. They can and, come. And what do you mean you don't have anything? What about your shirt? What about your shoes? What about something? Oh, shoes. Completely insane. Kids and like the, the the rush to get the nicest Air Jordans in the world. Number one thing that people were getting robbed for. Now it's right. laptops and iPads. Right. But it used to be fucking Jordans. Shoes. Uh, shoes. So I still have that sense of terror right. with me that like I'm going to get robbed at any moment. Like in the way that I hear the women think about rape. That's like I'm going to walk down the street. I need to think of all the ways I could get raped so they don't happen. Right. And then I think, okay. I might get stabbed, might get shot. Hell, somebody might want to rape me. Who knows? Right, right, right. I don't know what night. Maybe he's just good and getting good victims this night. And right. I'm kind of a pansy. So I had to think of like, all right, right, how can I not make these things happen? Right. Well, I think, yeah, I don't, the, I, I was very much alone when I was a kid too, because mm-hmm. my dad, oh, he could have been home. Uh, but he was he was working the he was working the room. Mm-hmm, he was mm-hmm. doing laps around the uh, the Milwaukee County, of course, and doing having coffee, uh, meeting the ladies. Uh, who knows what he was doing? Selling some nonsense. Okay. And the, my stepmother worked like fifty hours a week, and so mm. she would get up and she would cook breakfast for us at six a.m. And Mondays and Wednesdays, I've told the story. Mondays and Wednesdays were egg days. Tuesdays and Thursdays were pancake days. Friday, she had to be to work early. It was a cereal day. Consistency. Right. And um, and then she would not get home until about, she would get home around 4.30. So she would work from like 8 in the morning till 4. And then some days, and then some days till 7. It was, she was a hairdresser. So she would, it, it was, it was flexible. But she would come home and then she would cook dinner. And um, what I had to do was I would get home and we never locked anything because I lived in a small town in Wisconsin. And if anyone wanted to see, I mean, people could have. We didn't have anything. We had the first microwave in the on the block that my dad got when he sold awnings to somebody and they didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. And so they gave him a microwave. But um, the um, what we had and I wandered that town like there was. I wandered the town so much that that I would there the town was small. I don't I don't know where this story is going except for that that the the fears that I have about other people mm-hmm. because people did beat me up and people did Kenny Wallstead used to say I'm going to rape you. I'm going to rape you in 5th grade all the time. Wow. And uh, and someone was like he likes you. And I was like does he? He, I don't think he understands. <laughs> I don't think he understands the theory of rape, and uh, I don't know that I was th- quite that articulate at the age of ten. Yeah, but I told Mrs. Kath I like anyway. You said the theory of rape as if it was an equation that Einstein came up with. It's a, it, there's a theory. The e theory is MC rape is that it doesn't have anything uh, to do with sexuality. It's a violent crime. So it's be crime of violence. Talking about rape, or there's a lot of blog posts that are going to happen. Right, and they're going to say, "Why aren't you saying that rape jokes aren't funny?" They're not. Uh, well, unless they are, right? <laughs> That's where it all falls apart, is that if someone writes a rape joke that makes you laugh against your will, and you're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. rape jokes can be funny. It's just that there's the majority of them aren't. The majority of them aren't. And you can't just say rape, and that's going to be the punchline. Right, because the first 10 joke. years that you do stand-up comedy, in a lot of cases, you're just saying things to be shocking because you don't know what the hell you're doing. You don't know the difference between that kind or of Or should I say or... the first four years? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> so, so, someone was asking me last night. It was Dax Jordan. He was yeah. like, um, so how old was this guy? And I said, I don't know. He was 24, 25. He was like, 
how old do you think I am? And I said, 27. And uh, he's like, I am so not 27. Yeah. And so, but every, I mean, I think the first four years, and mm-hmm. the, I mean, th- theoretically, that's this has been discussed among comics. Yeah, of course. The first four years you do stand-up comedy, you don't know what you're talking about. You're mm-hmm. talking about everything. You're throwing it against the wall like a monkey right. in the hopes that something sticks. And in many cases, it's just shock jack stuff and, and whatever, right? So that's where a lot of that rape joke stuff comes. And mm-hmm. that's where the rape and the violence and the drugs and the just dirty, just scatological do you know Keith Johnstone? I know the name. He's a great, uh, one of the great improv teachers. And he talked about this exact thing in improv. Okay. When people start improvising, it's usually going to be all the sex. The sex, sex drugs, drugs. Rock and know, roll. Yeah, j- stuff like that. Um, you know, inappropriate, you know, usually body, bo- bo- you know, kind yeah. of humor. And he said it's because... It's the number one thing we're constantly trying not to talk about that's at the top of our consciousness. Okay. So the moment you tell someone to say whatever, the first things that th- – those, those things, it's like, it's like you open a suitcase. That's the stuff that's at the top. Right. So that, starts, that stuff starts coming out. Right, right. That was always my metaphor for improv is that like it's like opening a suitcase and you're trying that's to get to the real thing. a great metaphor because you got to find the thing at the bottom. you got to find the thing at the bottom. But then all this other shit's going to come out right. and make a mess. Yeah. And a lot of it's rape jokes. And a lot of it's rape jokes or scatological jokes or some weird poo poo pee pee. What rape, the club drug, owner weird. the other day said, "You know, we're having a lot of lady shows here. We're trying to do lady shows." Who said this? A club owner. Um, oh, a club owner. Okay. Whatever. And so he's like, "We're trying to do lady shows, so I'm trying to get a lot of those dildo party ladies to come out." Wow. He said that four times, dildo party. And I said, "Can we stop saying the word dildo party?" What the hell is a dildo party? I don't know. I don't know. Does but he I mean th- a bachelorette party? He doesn't. Because that's what I thought he meant. And he said, no, no, those things where they sell you dildos. And I was like, oh, that is a thing. Is it? Yeah. Is it like a Tupperware party party for for sex toys? Okay. Okay. Well, then call it that. Because first of all, (laughs) stop saying dildo dildo party. (laughs) Those dildo party ladies. Plus, I feel like part of the reason that they have these dildo parties is so these women amongst themselves can get together without prying eyes. And, and go, talk about this have you shit. seen this item? Exactly. How does this item work? And that Instead of going to a show, they're and they're trying to do this in a safe place. I think that's the point right, of it. Right, right. They're just like, we're going to go look at this this equipment. Exactly. Uh, so I'm at lunch with Augie Smith and Ron Funches uh-huh. a couple of weeks ago. And in the middle of lunch, Ron Funches just says, so women can have a vibrator. And they can talk about their vibrator, and it's all great. Women can have a vibrator. Yeah, that's Ron Funches. They punches. can talk about their vibrator. That's all great. One guy has uh, a, a rubber vagina, and then all of a sudden, I'm the bad guy. One guy has a rubber vagina, then I'm the bad guy. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? He's right. <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. It's some sort of uh, external pokey bit or whole bit that you're using to simulate sex right yeah yeah jackie cation theories on sex yeah a sex flesh, toys a fleshlight it's a little fleshlight it's 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 got all kinds of i mean but your beeswax i mean if you're going to talk about this kind of stuff on stage mm-hmm. most of the time it isn't it isn't going to be funny i mean what you're doing is you're just saying well the, you're you're at the top of the suitcase you're talking about uh, rape and hitting and drugs and 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 weird stuff, because right? That shit makes people. It makes people laugh because they're uncomfortable, right? Not because they think it's funny, right? At the beginning of your career, you don't know the difference between those two things, right? Riley Newton. I don't know if you ever met her. I know Riley, of course. Yeah, 
uh, had one of the funniest rape jokes I've ever heard, which wow. was, and it was a throwaway. And it was just essentially she's, she's like, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm almost down to my rape weight. And there's all wow. kinds of problems with that joke, but it's a funny idea. Yeah, it's just a funny little throwaway. It's not. Do you know uh, Jacqueline Novak? I don't. She used to have. She has one of my favorite rape jokes, yep. which was, uh, "If you're getting attacked, she's like, if you're getting sexually assaulted or raped, you're supposedly not supposed to yell rape because people will run away from you if right. they hear that. You're supposed to yell fire." Because everybody wants to. She's like, because what? People are supposed to run towards you? She's like, I don't think that worked either. I think in that situation, I'd be like, snow cones here. <laughs> Get your snow cones. It's the dumbest <laughs> joke. Right? Then she has this joke about. How it is that you're supposed to walk home as a single woman? Yep. To not get raped, like okay. they said, don't go down dark alleyway. She's like, but I actually take the paths that I think rapists will be on, right? So that way it'll confuse me for one of them. Oh, like she might be the rapist. Like, I'll be your rapist. That's and a we'll very... pass each other like fishermen in, on a wharf. Just kind of like hope you catch something good today, sir. See, that's a beautiful. I mean, I like it. It's kind of lyrical. It it's... is lyrical. Yeah, it's got, and it's got some legs to it. You know, it's got some. It's got. There's a depth to it because the thing is, is people say don't make rape jokes, but you're like, but someone should talk about sexual assault. Well, here's the thing. I, a rape joke and a joke about rape are not the same thing. True. Now, and that's where I feel like. What, what, uh, define it so I'm clear. Okay, because I have a joke about rape, but I don't okay. have a rape joke. Yep. I, I feel like most rape jokes do not say anything about the idea of rape. Okay. About the culture of rape. Okay. Or about what rape can be or how it affects people. Right. They're not t talking about the issue of rape. They're just bringing up rape. Right. But there's a way... To talk about sexual assault. To talk about sexual assault and be funny about it if you can express an opinion. Yep. Or a perspective or flip something. Have a, have a perspective. I mean, my, one of my favorite things about Maria Bamford's act is that she will talk about a very serious topic. Mm -hmm. And then you know what she has at the end? A punchline. For the love of Christ. It's an amazing, it's one of one of the first rules of stand-up comedy, <laughs> is that, because you can talk about anything. I genuinely believe that. And if there's a punchline at the end of it, we all win. We all win. I remember when that Michael Richards thing happened, for some reason someone decided to interview me <laughs> for, the, <laughs> for the New York Metro. And that was the thing I said, it's like, there, I didn't hear a punchline. Right. It's like, I've seen comedians say stuff like that, but then they have a point. Or, right. say, or a punchline, punch and then it, everything's fine. And it's fine. But it's like, it but he just said shit and didn't have a punchline. And then he walked off the stage. That was what Paul Mooney said. Is like, if he would have apologized in the moment. Yeah. Like said, you know what, guys? This got out of hand. Yeah. This is not what I meant to happen. I am sorry. Mm -hmm. And tried to make it funny. He's like, that's different than he just dropped the mic and walked off the stage. Yeah, that's just diva nonsense. That's just like... Oh, you then you do believe these things, right? Then you're just an idiot, and and because right now, as we as we talk, uh, somewhere in the world, someone is losing their temper at an audience member, right? Mm -hmm. And saying something horrible, no yep. doubt. And then they, <laughs> if they're a good comic, they have to do another fifteen minutes to forty minutes, and somehow dig themselves out of it. You know, very early in my career, I had a guy who wouldn't shut up, who wouldn't shut up, who wouldn't shut up. Mm. And the fourth time, I said something horrible to him. And I, and I, and there's a part of me that wishes I had apologized because I wouldn't still, it wouldn't still replay in my head. I mm. said something about him going home and fucking his toddler. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. It was not charming. It wasn't funny. 
uh, it was hurtful on purpose mm-hmm. to get him to shut up. Because I had tried to be funny. I had, you know how you do have the four, the four level, levels of heckler in my mind. Oh, what are the four levels? It's the first level is you, um, if they're, if they're an actual, like they're just talking amongst themselves, you draw attention to it and you tell them to stop. Right. The second time you make fun of them in a funny way and you tell them to stop. The third time you seriously say something mean, funny, tell them to stop. And the fourth level is you either get someone to remove them from the room or you make them leave. Mm. That's, I mean, those are the only two, those are your only two choices. Yeah, yeah. Because you have to finish your time or they won't pay you. So you, and I was at a, I came up with a, I've probably told this story, but it's, I was at an Indian casino in northern Michigan. Okay. And, you know, in Indian casinos, there's always a guard there. And there were these two drunk guys in the in the front row. They were talking amongst themselves. They were talking to me. They were talking amongst themselves. They were talking to me. And finally, the third time came, and I reamed them. I'd have my one line about whatever. It's a it's a very dirty joke that usually shuts people up. Mm-hmm. And it's very funny. And 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 but it's pretty dirty. And it's the I I uh, I say, would you guys suck? It's and I'm going to say it now because it's out of context. But it, would, I wish you would suck your own dick. Stick your own dick in your mouth. I was like, oh, that's right. If you could do that, you wouldn't be here. You'd be at home, rocking back and forth in a closet, weeping softly into a cracked mirror. And, um, <laughs> right? And it's and it's filthy. Okay. But it is shocking. Yeah. And it's rocking and it, back and forth. Cracked mirror. It's beautiful. Yeah. And so, but it usually gets them to shut the hell up. Right. And so it didn't work. And so I I I look around for the for the. The guard, there's no guard for the first time in Indian casino history. Wow, okay. There's no guard. And so I look at him, and I, one of the guys is more sober than the other, and I was like, will you take him out of here? And the guy goes, nope. Oh. And so what I did was yeah. I fell to my knees, made the sign of the cross, and I prayed them out of the room. Oh, really? Yep. And did that work? Yep. <laughs> oh, wow. I fell, and I said, please, God, bless these men away from me. Bless oh. them. I hope their lives go really, really well somewhere else. Please send them away from me in this room. Okay. And the audience could not stop laughing. And the two guys, and then there was a seriously awkward pause, and they stumbled out. Weirdly, I've got hecklers when I'm already, I'm doing well. Oh yeah. Because like if, like if, if I'm timing wise, if I'm doing ba- if I'm doing badly, yeah, and I get hecklers. I'm like, that's par for the course. <laughs> or does it feel fair? Yeah, I'm just like, this, but I also don't, sometimes I take it hard and sometimes I'm like, I'm not doing well. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm bad or it's like this audience doesn't like me or they don't get me, but I still have to do my time. Yep. So if I get hecklers, I just let them talk yeah. and keep talking over them until the time is up. I've done that. I mean, we've done that too. I mean, if you can do it, it's fine. Right. But sometimes. But I've like also a- gotten, I've gotten hecklers. When I'm doing well, yes. and then there's a lull. There's a one right. lull where they decide yeah. they're going to say something now because they're not enjoying me. Right. I had a heckler in the Sacramento Punchline right. in a show in which I was killing. Yep. And just this one guy and just didn't, and he piped up. Mm-hmm. And I just had it in Calgary, which actually I put at the beginning of my last podcast. <laughs> me, because I recorded the show. Right. I was doing well, mm-hmm. and then this guy goes, change it up. Out of nowhere. I'm like, what? And I thought it was one of the comics. Right. And I was like, what? Who said that? He's like, me. That's why I thought it was one of the comics. He yeah, said yeah. me. I'm like, okay. And he's like, uh, just 
what you're doing is not funny, right? And then this is also in a show that I was doing really well. Right. So in both situations, I just show them that you're alone in this right. fight. Right. This whole audience disagrees with you. Everyone else is having a perfectly good so time. So maybe you're incapable of joy. <laughs> that's what it is. That's what it is. I don't, and that's why you came to the show. You're like, maybe this will be the one time. This will, this will open the door. No, joy. and this guy, I just kind of went after. I did the classic attack the manhood stuff, yeah. and then, but then. Um, I remember uh, in my, but this this is an interesting one, and this was an interesting heckling problem because I did a show in Chicago, and a guy I went to college with who he didn't finish college, he left early. Yeah. But we kept in touch. He came to my show. He lives in Chicago. Mm-hmm. He came to my show at Zany's, and he was rip roaring drunk. Right. Before the show even started. Fantastic. So, Downtown club. Yeah. Okay. So the one in uh, Boy Old Town. Mm-hmm. So he is participating instead of heckling. Mm-hmm. He kept saying, you know how you'll see a dog that you think is cute and you go, I'm going to eat this fucking dog's face, right? Yeah. He kept saying, I'm going to murder you to me as a term of endearment. Right. Like, as, he made as, it, that was so funny. He's I'm like, gonna I'm going to murder you. Like That's he's so having funny. a good time. Yeah. And there was another friend of ours there who was totally sober that couldn't have been more embarrassed. He was like, <laughs> oh my God, please stop. He was trying to get him to stop, but this guy, I won't, I won't say his name, he was just like, I'm going to murder you. Now, the audience doesn't know that me and this guy actually have a history and we know each other. Right. They just saw one black man tell another black man, I'm going to murder you <laughs> in Chicago, Illinois. Right. Where usually that a murder is followed by right, that Right, followed statement. by a murder. <laughs> yes. So I constantly was like, guys, don't worry. I know this man. He, he's having a good time. He's not actually going to... No one's getting murdered tonight. Right, he's just slightly... Except for you guys, because I'm killing, right? Or whatever. Then, he decides, of his own will, he decides he's being disruptive. Okay. And that he's going to leave. Right. Now, you know the Zanies downtown. That's you, a long, skinny room. When you walk in... You enter next to the stage. Right, so that for him to leave, he would she has to pull a Goodfellas and go through the kitchen. Exactly, but he didn't know that. He doesn't know that. He just, just went just towards guy. the place that he came in next to the stage. Mm-hmm. He mistook the stairs that go up onto the stage. Oh no. For stairs to go outside. Oh no. Suddenly I look to my right and he is on the stage and standing like, next to me. Elvis, and the, what and the are you doing? Audience is like, it's gonna happen. He's gonna but I ended up, I don't know, I don't, it's like a trance. Yeah. I don't know what I did, how mm-hmm. I got him off the stage, how the audience was still laughing through the whole, I somehow managed everything. Oh, good. I have no, I still am like, I don't know what happened. Like after the show, my friend was like, I don't know how you did that. I'm like, neither do I. I have no idea right. what I said. That's he was awesome. on the stage. I'm talking. The audience is here. They're laughing. I get him off the stage somehow. And all I remember is coming, once he was off the stage, I was near the end of my time. Yeah. Because I was nervous about not hitting my time. Yep. And I'm like, I'm like done now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, uh, this is what happened right now is that I have like 20 minutes of material left and I only have five minutes of time. Right. So I actually am, I'm totally going to hit my time, guys. Yeah. And this is good for me because this is basically like, if you've ever been at work and there's right outside your job, there's a car crash. Yep. And you go, oh, that's horrible. But there's a part of you that's like, I'm going to get a half day. <laughs> that's what just happened right now. Good night. <laughs> that was oh, that's like, hilarious. I got off the stage. That Zany's room, my dad came, and Uh-oh. he came through the kitchen. Okay. In a very good fellas-like move, because it's his favorite thing. It's his favorite thing to come through the kitchen, pretend he knows everybody. 
And he sat down, and he, there was a two-drink minimum, and he, and he asked for, like, mulled wine or something. Like he was in It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. And he was Clarence the... Yeah, it was mulled wine. And he That's said, oh, you don't have that? That's all I drink. And uh, because he's a piece of work. Yeah. And then... Uh, but I'll tell you, the, la- the last... I had a heck... I did a show... I never, I never work in Wisconsin for some reason. They don't book me. So I'm in They're my... Local. That's a local. That's where it is. That's where it is. That's a long story. But I'm sick. I, I did a weird one-nighter about two years ago in a bar in South Milwaukee, my tiny town I grew up in, a little factory town. Mm-hmm. Six blocks from where I grew up. There's this place called Gondex. It became another horrible dive bar. And so I'm there. And in the second row is one of my teachers from high school. This woman. Drunk, 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 drunk. And every time, and I'm working the room, working the room left, right, like I'm taught in debate class, uh-huh. making sure everybody's hearing the setups and the punches. Right. And um, every time I tell a punchline, if I'm, if I'm looking at her, she goes, you go, Jackie! You go! <laughs> so the third time she does it, I can't look at that side of the room anymore. We're done. We're oh, done that's the worst, the worst heckler is the heckler that's having a good time. Right, because, because she's, oh, she, I mean, I'm not going to shut her down. She's actually cheering she's, you. You're right. doing a great job. You can be like, "Fuck you, shut up!" And all she's like, "But you are doing a great job." But you job. are doing great. We're all having a good time. Yeah, that's. A and I thought one. you were going to end up in prison, so it's all good. And so. Well, let's bring it back to the theme. Let's for, for five seconds before I let you go because I know right. you got to go do a show. So when you talk about all these things that make you afraid, mm-hmm. um, which are generally it seems like violence from sh- strangers. Right, well, they're, they're, they're external things that come down that are being told to me. There's a barrage of information coming from television and radio and books and, and movies uh-huh. that someone wants to kill you, someone wants to hurt you, someone wants to assault you, and it's all, it's usually a crazy person, meaning that absolutely everyone is crazy, and there's, there's nothing you can do about it. And so you should get yourself a spider hole and a shotgun and live in it. And I was like, I don't want to. And so I've I've consciously made a decision that I'm not going to be, I'm not going to live my life in fear of terrorists. You okay. Know? I, I travel a lot. Um, I have to, I'm not going through that machine, that microwave machine in the airport. I go early to the thing. I'm like, you should be patting everybody down. Rent a cop. You know, if, if, we're, if we're really doing this, do it. You ask for the pat? Yeah. I always, I opt out. Yeah. Female yeah. opt out on number six. Uh, that's me. And uh, they're like, you want to do it privately? No, let's just do it. Pat it down. Let's yeah. do it. So, and that's what that was the question is like, what, what are the, some of the things that you were doing to combat it? Right. There's that. There's the fact that people are constantly saying, what I've learned in my life is that, is that if I have a negative, if I have a fear of what you think of me, mm-hmm. or I think that a club owner is against me, they might be, but I promise you 85% of the time they're not thinking about me at all you know I mean it is one of the most egotistical things in the world to think that the reason I don't get to do things is because someone doesn't like me Mm. the reason people I don't get to do things is that people aren't thinking about me and that is lowering I am not saying that that is not a lowering thought right but that is not that is not evil. That is, there's nothing evil happening. There's nothing premeditated out there that's happening to, to make my life less happy. Right. The only thing that's making my, my life less happy is if I obsess about the fact that, that 
I don't get to be on John Oliver this year, for example. This is a very real example. They're doing that again? They're doing it. They're oh, doing it again. Okay. And I asked if I could be on it. And they said no. But because we live in a golden age of comedy right now. Mm-hmm. There are more great comics than I've ever seen in my life. I genuinely, every three months, I meet three comics and I'm like, holy crap, you're amazing. Why aren't you famous? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, why aren't you famous? And we have that conversation. But, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, but, but I mean, there's, there's, you don't get to do everything. And some things I don't get to do that I think, well, I should get to do that. You know, like this is Comedy Week mm-hmm. on uh, YouTube. YouTube, right. I just, I just found out. Right. I just right. found out I from something out I watched that I DVR'd last week. I'm like, what? Okay. How come I'm not in it? And it, you know, and so that's the real fear. The real fear is that am I not being included? Mm. You know? And that is a huge in this career, and I'm sure in every career. I'm sure there are plumbers in the world who are like, Well, I could have done that job. Why didn't I get that job? But uh <laughs> but in in, in stand up or in acting or whatever, you're just like, Well, I could I could be that. And I can go in this direction where I think, and I have friends who do this. They're like, well, they already have a woman. You know? Right, right. They already have their black guy. Why would they hire two? And I'm not saying that those aren't real things that are happening, right? But if I go down that road, I'm going to get mad, and I don't want to be bitter about it. Mm -hmm. I just want to keep doing the good work I'm doing Mm -hmm. and the recognition I get. Is the recognition I get that is the hardest that is the hardest decision in my life. I, uh, that's incredible, Jackie. Right. <laughs> and uh, I, because I, I, I uh, feel a lot of that resonates with me. A lot of that are, are things that I feel like I deal with, and you have to fight it. And I fight it because, and people who've listened to this podcast have heard me obsess about. The obstacles I have decided are in my way. That is it exactly. That I will not shut up about. Yes. Oh, well, they want this and that, and this person's already there, and this. I'm like, but you know what? I've done shit. Right. I could do that. I'm, I'm... Could, I, why does, why does it have to be that? Or why does it... Well, why because can't also... just open it up? Yeah. And that the idea of included, or that I count, that I matter, mm-hmm. it's like... I still have to, I, you know what, when I got a half hour, yeah. my first response was, well, it's not an hour. <laughs> what the fuck is that? That's not cool. It's not. You gotta fight that. And I fought it. Once I, once I thought that, I'm like, oh, shit, well, what the fuck? I mean, you hear There are plenty of people that aren't getting, that. I know. It's like, yeah. there are plenty of people who are getting an hour. Like, it's I, just like, I'm lucky that I've been friends with Maria Bamford for, what, 15, 16 years mm-hmm. now, right? And when she first started getting stuff, when she got her half-hour special, when she got to do uh, Leno, when she got to do all these things, and she started complaining to people about her career a little bit, because mm-hmm. we all do. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, and not compl- it, it wasn't whining or complaining, complaining. It was just, oh, I didn't get to do this, and I wish I could do that. And you're like... Okay, you can say that to me, but I wouldn't say that to someone who's never got to do any television. And that's what I constantly have to remind myself of as well. Yeah. Like, I, that I actually, I have credits that I have earned. Yes. And I should be, and I'm happy with those. Right. And you know what? I'm happy with the half hour. And you know what? Yeah, some people that are quote unquote the same class as me may have an hour, but 
I can't say that I've worked as hard as they have. Well, because I can't say that I've I've focused in a way that some of these people that I know have right fucking focus their asses off, and that's why they're there. And so, really, in a way, I am telling myself, you know what, you could do better. I'm doing really well, right? But I could also do better, right? And we could all work a little harder. And we could all work, work a little, little harder and work a little later. And and I and I'm and I'm learning to let that shit go. I had a panic attack. I talked about it. Yep. Um, and it. Opened some shit up. And you know who I saw the other day was uh, Dave Anthony. Yeah. And he said that he had a panic attack and that it is changing his stand-up. All right. And he's like, something something broke open. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, same here. And he's like, really? He's like, it was after Portland. I was like, dude, same here. He's like, what? What happened in Portland that made yeah. us all go, fuck, God. Something. Did you see someone riding a bike made out of a mandolin? Damn it. Yeah, I was like, yeah. what? Is that a mandala bike? <laughs> Which is a uh, no, joke. no. This is my this is a this is the this is my musical instrument of freedom. I've been working with it's called a lot. <laughs> Nelson Mandolin. Ah, Mandolin. Mandolin. All right, that's and, stupid. So yeah, yeah. I think that's great, and and uh, but it's an ongoing. It's ongoing. It's obviously ongoing. It's ongoing. And there's nothing I can do to cure it. Because the other thing, especially for us as comedians, and this is what my my New Year's resolution, which I haven't been totally faithful to. Is I'm not gonna read these comedy blocks. I I when I because the number one time that I do it is when I'm about to fall asleep. What? It's it, instead of looking at porn. Yeah. I'll go into a comedy blog and I'll start reading the news, comedy news, and what people are doing. And I'm like, no. All I see is that I'm not in any of these articles, yes. and then I just go to bed upset. Right. And I'm like, why am I doing that to myself? Why don't you go find out what's happening in Somalia? That's, Be- that, that will create the same amount of healthy sleep. Exactly. Yeah. And also, I'm like, well, and also these people that are in these stories aren't reading this blog right now. Right. Like, they're going to sleep to wake up early to focus on their lives. Or they're, you know, and because some things do happen, because people do work differently. Yeah. Right? And, that, and that's the other thing is that, like... Opportunities present themselves and they present themselves. It's, and to different people in different ways. And it's, and I just, but yes, I can, but that is, that is an odd, I mean, it's, you have to be patient. You have to be patient with your creativity, mm-hmm. which is what I spend a good portion of my time reminding myself when I'm not writing, right? When I, when I can't write something. Mm-hmm. Right now, I have a, a, a very quality problem, which is too many premises and none of punchlines. Mm. Uh, so many premises that I have to, and, and not enough stage time, like all the page, to go through them. Yeah. yeah, to go through them, and the paid stage time, I gotta go to the vault because I I really want the audience to have a good time, so I want to do the old stuff, but I also need to work on the new stuff because I'm I'm doing a new album at the end of the year, and oh. I just yeah, it's been three years. I think the time has come. Yeah, where are you and gonna do it? Acme. I always do it at Acme. Oh, good. Minneapolis. Old. Uh, December. December. Uh, mm. Christmas week. Oh, damn it. Okay. It's, I'm going to record... Um, well, because it's... Uh, I, I think I'm going to do a DVD as well. Oh, very nice. And so I asked him for a week uh, that it's lightly attended so that I can put the camera crew in. Oh, okay. Because otherwise he'd have to pull seats out and not sell them. Right. Instead... And so if it's Christmas week, there's it, it'll still be packed because he'll have pulled the seats out to put the camera crew in, but it'll still be full. Hmm, okay. Makes sense? Well, look out for that, everybody listening. Everybody, and you know what I want to call it? What? This would make an excellent Horcrux. <laughs> what do you think? Oh, you have to go deep in the dork forest to find that title. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Thanks for having me, Baron. Well, yeah, it was a good one, Jackie, and I'm I'm glad that you were here. And uh, yeah, everybody listening, come on, we're two real comics. Whatever you're going through, we're also going through it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. All right, until next time. Jackie, guys. Um, I think some good stuff there. Uh, you know, let 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 my people go. And by my people, I mean my neuroses. You know, we're... Be happy with what you have, because that's how you're going to get more. You know, like, if you just want more and more and more all the time, you're never going to be satisfied. So it's like, that's what I was going to say, is my psychology of never being satisfied is what's going to follow me around. There's never going to be a satisfied if I'm constantly never satisfied, never happy with what I have. And when I have the thing that I think will make me happier, I'll be like, well, but now it's this other thing. You just got to gotta let yourself be at peace. You know what? I'm not going to tell you guys that. I'm going to tell myself that. I, I got to let myself be at peace. All right, guys. Poopity fart. Deep shit. Bye.